0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Welcome into the Salt City Hoop show. I'm Andy Larson. Utah Jazz Beat Writer for KSL.com and the Managing Editor of Salt City Hoops. You're into the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700. Today I've got JP Chunga joining me. He's the producer for the Gunther and Hackett show. Ben Anderson is out today. Zach Harper died several months ago. No, that's not quite true. Zach Harper just moved to LA. Uh, But we've got a great show for you guys today, uh, punctuated by some big news in jazzland about the Jazz potentially uh, in discussions for, I shouldn't say potentially, they are in discussions for Nikola Mirotic, the Chicago Bulls forward. So we're going to break that down for you throughout the show, talk about what's going on, why that would be a a smart or dumb move for the Jazz, and how they could get it done. We'll also talk about other trades in the NBA, uh, or trade possibilities in the NBA and for the Utah Jazz Can the Jazz move? Derek Favors, Tabo Cephalosha, Alec Burks, and any of the number of uh, expiring or uh, otherwise, um, I guess, available guys for the Utah Jazz. Uh, And then finally, we also want to take your questions, read your tweets, take your calls on air. Please tweet us if you have any questions or want to chime in on anything we talk about today. Tweet me, at Andy B. Larson is my Twitter handle, or JP, what's your Twitter handle?
2: At JP underscore Chunga. That makes a lot of sense, I gotta say. I keep it simple for people.
1: Uh, So tweet us if you have any questions. We'll read and answer your questions on air, or read your comment on air if you disagree, or agree with us, we'll take that too. Or you can call us, 877-353-0700. Uh, should we get into it? Yeah, let's, let's get do into it. it. So... Let's start from the beginning on this thing. Um, this all kind of started as a actual trade rumor. Yesterday, when Adrian Wojnarowski reported uh, that the Bulls are still planning to trade for Nik- Nikola Miritich, uh, Miritich has been intrigued with the Utah Jazz, whose coach Quinn Snyder has a reputation for maximizing offensive talent. So, first of all, Woj reports that Miritich is interested in the Utah Jazz, not the other way around. Then that report set off a whole bunch of a flurry of reporting and confirmation from reporters from both Utah and Chicago. Uh, 1280's Spence Checkett said Miritich to the Jazz is real. It's a real possibility. They're talking. The Chicago Tribune's Casey Johnson said that the Bulls have made clear to multiple teams that they have talked to regarding Miritich that they're looking for a first-round pick with no long-term contracts attached. So again, the Bulls are looking for a first-round pick. With no contracts attached, keep that in mind as we uh, go throughout the show, talk about what the Jazz could do in order to acquire Miritich. Detroit Pistons and Portland Trailblazers are also allegedly interested in Miritich, according to the New York Times' Mark Stein. Uh, Both of those teams, you know, if there is a real bidding war for Miritich, mean that there is. Uh, again, that kind of competition and the Jazz would have to give up more something, you know, approximating Miritich's value in order to acquire the the power forward. And then uh, today, Vinny Goodwill uh, from Chicago says, so far the market for Miritich has been described as tepid, according to a league source. The Jazz have engaged in discussions with the Bulls, as multiple sources have said, uh, including, by the way, Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune and our ESPN 700 NBA insider. Uh, But to this point, the Bulls don't want to take on Alec Burks' $11.5 million contract for next year without the Jazz attaching a draft pick. The Jazz could offer that first-round draft pick, but they don't want to because they're on the outside of the playoff picture and don't want to give out a lottery pick. So far, so good, J.P.?
2: Yes, that, that is the rundown of it. Here's the thing.
1: That's a ton of, of knowledge about yeah. a, a trade rumor, right? Like, we, we have five different reporters citing multiple different sources, and we know what the Bulls want. We know what the Jazz are willing or unwilling to give up. Uh, we
2: know a lot about this deal, actually. Well, and it's obvious that the Bulls want this deal to be done because they have— a locker room problem. Yes. This guy fought with Bobby Portis on their team. They can't it's clear that they have to get rid of one and the one that they've chosen to get rid of is Nikola Mirotic.
1: Right, Bobby Portis a lot younger, under contract, uh, still on his rookie deal. Um and honestly Nikola Mirotic wants out, you know, by by all accounts he has asked the Chicago Bulls for a trade and the Bulls do want to make that trade even though by the way Mirotic has been stellar in his first 17 games.
2: And that's the question that I have. We sort of discussed it when I when you got in here yeah. to the studio. What Miritich are you going to get? Are you going to get the one that's putting up career best numbers right now? Or are you going to get the one that was underperforming last year? Which one are you going to get? And is it worth it for the Jazz, because that's where we are, the Jazz to get him and, and to apply for his services? Uh, so I'll, I'll lead with that question with you. Do you want Miritich at what you're getting right now which is career best numbers
1: yeah no, that's a real question so uh, first of all let's talk about those career best numbers he's averaging 17.4 points a game seven rebounds a game an assist and a half he's shooting 48 percent from the field 46.5 percent from three that's certainly going to go down you know just n- nearly no one shoots 46.5 percent for a whole season um So I I think it's fair to say that's the best season of his career if he keeps it up. Again, it's only been 17 games. Really, the best season of his career before this year was his sophomore season when he scored 12 points a game, shot 39% from three, 40% from the field, rebounded, and and passed the ball pretty similarly to what he's done this year. So you know, this is a new high for what Miritich has been. And really, that kind of makes sense given his larger role without Jimmy Butler on
2: the team. And obviously the usage is going to go up and and the numbers are going to tick up. Uh, The asking price being high and being too high for the Jazz if you're going to go after him, Mm -hmm. uh, what what can you be willing to give up? Because you're not going to have this... Miracle Sports Radio, a deal that you're going to get where they take on a bad contract and you're just going to get the player that you want, the belt, the ball. Right. You have to look at this realistically to see that they want your first-round pick, and are you willing to part ways with that?
1: Yeah, and, and and that's a real question. And and second of all, I guess what miritich do you think you're getting? Are you getting this year's miritich Are you getting sophomore miritich or are you getting his first and third years? Which uh, he was a bad shooter from the field and, and kind of gave some inconsistent effort on, I think, really both ends during those years. And and that's a real question. I I, I think uh, you kind of have to say, if you're making this trade, in my mind, if you're Dennis Lindsay, you have to make a trade for the kind middle of middle-of-the-road Miritich. And while you're excited that the 17 games have shown a higher level of potential, you can't look at him as you're acquiring a 17-point-a-game scorer. You're looking at it as you're acquiring a good fit at the power forward position next to Rudy Gobert.
2: And this is obviously a hint that you're not going to have Derek Favors anymore. Sure. But uh,
1: can we – briefly talking about Derek Favors, he's not coming back next year. Yes. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. A, he's a free agent, uh, so, you know, he has the opportunity to leave – even in a good free agent market, which I think this is a relatively good one where there isn't a lot of interest in centers, Derek Favors is going to be interested in leaving the Utah Jazz so he can get more of the kind of center opportunities that he's had while Rudy Gobert is out. The truth of the matter is that the Jazz have, uh, has, have given $100 million to Rudy Gobert over the next four years, and that means Derek Favors is a backup center. You know, We've seen he he's just is a center center. Uh, we've seen him play well while Rudy Gobert is out, but he's going to be looking for that opportunity on a team where he can get that opportunity, and that's not the Utah Jazz.
2: And I I feel for him that right. that he has to go the rest of the season on a team that obviously lame duck year. On,
1: on the plus side, you know he is playing that role right now due yeah. to Rudy's injury, and maybe you know once Rudy comes back, that's the time where you you pull a trigger on anything you may have lined up. Um, you know that's still probably a couple of weeks away, but that's. You know, that, that would be a logical time if you were to be able to acquire Miritich, who, by the way, can't be traded until January 15th. What is that, a week from today? A week from yesterday. Uh, so that's, you know, a, a good possibility for the Jazz. Um, the other question I had about Miritich that I kind of I watched, I've watched a lot of Miritich video yesterday and today, kind of since this was released. And I kind of wondered I, my big questions were is he going to fit in Quinn Snyder's system? Okay. Um Where, which is obviously really predicated on ball movement um, and, and and spacing the floor and and kind of doing all the right things offensively to get a small advantage turning into a big advantage turning into points. And then secondly, is his defense any good or not? Let's start. Uh, first of all, I, I posted a, a video of one of his assists on Twitter earlier where he's he's capable of doing stuff that no Jazz big man is right now, which is getting a rebound, dribbling up the floor, and then finding a, a pass, a 30, 40-foot pass to the opposite corner. There's not a jazz big man who can do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there are times where Miritich takes stupid shots and is really hesitant and, you know, is stopping the ball. And, and it's kind of if Quinn can convince Miritich to play the good way all the time, great. I do think there's some real worry about his inconsistency at that.
2: Well, you look at the way that his assist numbers. He's never been able to get assists. Yeah. He's. Is he going to be willing to pass the ball and move move the ball like Quinn Snyder wants it to be? And I, I, I'm not so sure that 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 dictates that gives you much sign for optimism because sure. he, he he looks like especially on this Bulls team that is looking for numbers and looking for for Gunners. Looks a little bit like a gunner, at mm-hmm. least at this point. In, and that's the way that he's been getting his numbers. Defensively, also, I, I have questions because he's never been a, a really plus uh, defender in that respect.
1: Yeah, so I, and with defense, I was curious because, you know again, he does have that bad reputation. Tony Jones, in a Salt Lake Tribune article, called him pedestrian at best defensively. <laughs> On Twitter, he said worse. He said he defends like the chair I'm currently sitting in right now. Um, I've texted with Tony about this after watching some tape yesterday and today. I think I disagree. I think he moves his feet pretty well. He's not a rim protector. He's not a guy who gets a lot of steals or blocks. But in terms of staying in front of his man and, and kind of moving his feet and, and preventing uh, the defense from, from beating him, I, you know, he's not a world beater, but I think he's like you know Jonas Drebkoe on defense where he tries and he, again, keeps guys in front of him without fouling. You look at the stats in terms of what the Bulls have done when he's on the floor. The Bulls have been a better defense when Miritich is on the floor than off of it, and that's despite playing most of his minutes not next to Robin Lopez, who's you know a pretty good defender.
2: So then you would clearly think that that would tick up with Rudy Gobert as, as a shield.
1: Right, and that's the thing is it's it's a good fit because even if you do have, you know, you don't need Miritich to be your rim protector when Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert exists. It's nice to have a secondary guy like Derek Favors in there, but quite frankly, you know, it you probably are not going to have that guy in the paint too frequently when all their opponents are playing four out, one in now.
2: Okay, so when you consider that, and when you look at where the Jazz are in the standings, does this make sense for you? Because right. that that's the other uh, scenario in this, is where are you in the West comparatively to everybody else, and when's Rudy Gobert going to come back?
1: Right, and and that's the thing. I, I, To me, this trade is not about being better this year because, quite frankly, I don't care. I don't care how many wins and losses the Jazz get this season. Okay. To me, it's about acquiring a long-term fit uh, on, on the next good Jazz team, and Mirtich only being 26 means that he does fit next to Rudy Gobert, who's 25, Donovan Mitchell 22, or sorry, I guess he just turned 21, right? Yeah. Um, he can drive now. He can drive now. Tony Bradley just turned twenty, but anyway. Uh that's who I was thinking of. He got uh, his license too. Got his license. It's it's great. <laughs> he
2: he never had to drive He can because, drink
1: and drive now. Yeah, because what, well, great news. uh
2: Donovan, he's a commuter. He's from Connecticut. Right. Uh so he's it's, not used to driving around places.
1: Yeah, obviously kinda got rides at Louisville, spent uh you know, played on the AAU teams in New York and grew up there a little bit. So
2: got rides at Louisville? Never what are you, what are you uh, insinuating there? <laughs>
1: uh, probably a little bit of both column A and <laughs> column B. That's fair. Anyway, uh, he got a full ride scholarship. That's all I meant.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. Rick Vitino is known for giving full ride scholarships. <laughs>
1: all right, let's let's stop before we go any further. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, he fits Nikola Mirotic. Sorry, not Donovan. The Mitchell. long term, fits he fits the, the long term plan, and and that's what I like about it. If I'm the Jazz, I certainly don't give up their first rounder this year, which, by the way, right now is slated at 11, actually tied for 10th. Um, yeah. And you know, while Miritich might help you, let's say you get in the playoffs, it's still the 15th or 16th pick. That's a good pick that I, I'm reluctant to give up.
2: That's my my hang up on this is because it, it it definitely is a move for the long long term, mm. but they are trying to get you for the short term because yes. they know the asking price is so high that they're trying to get that first-round pick out of you.
1: Sure. And and that's, to me, I, I don't trade the Jazz pick
2: exactly. you know, for this
1: at all. That's, to me, where you start doing a three-team deal where you give Derek Favors to a contender, a, a Boston, a Cleveland, a, a Milwaukee, someone who needs a center. Uh, they're willing to give up a late first-round pick. Uh, you know, For Boston, Cleveland, we're talking 26, 28, 30 maybe even. Uh, and then they get their f- short-term upgrade to try to make it to the NBA Finals, uh, and then they trade that to the Chicago Bulls. You get Nikola Mirotic, and uh, you know that that contending team gets whatever they want, or that that contending team gets a Derek Favors. They get a, a Tabo Seflosha, whatever. I completely agree.
2: the The first round pick, off limits. That, yeah. That's that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are. The only things that that are off limits in this trade season.
1: What do you think about Dante Exum?
2: Oh, very tradable.
1: <laughs> okay, no, I, I mean, uh, there's we've seen so little of Dante Exum that I'm not, I'm not sure if he's like a a great value asset or a not an NBA player right now. Honestly, I've talked to people in the Jazz organization who believe both that there that Dante Exum is a future NBA starter or Dante Exum's not an NBA player, and you know. It's it's not just it's just not gonna happen for
2: him. I'm not saying he's not an NBA player. I'm just saying he's one of the people that you would I trade. am okay with, with okay. letting go. He's he's on the table. The I only have two two people you can't you can't touch. That's it. That's it. And, yeah, and, and Rudy a and Donovan. And a pick. And the pick. <laughs> <laughs> Which I is mean, another person.
1: I <laughs> It's a future person. Person <laughs> to be named later. Uh yeah, I I'm okay, so I'm I'm kinda with you there. I don't think I would trade. Dante Exum for Nikola Mirotic is, is hard for me because, given Dante Exum's variance, like there's just so much that could happen there. I I don't I don't know that I would make that deal, but I do know that Chicago's probably not making that bet either because you know they haven't seen Mir- they haven't seen Dante Exum yeah. and they have great youth at that position anyway with with uh, Chris Dunn and, and Zach Levine. So like it it doesn't make a ton of sense from their perspective.
2: Yeah, I, I'm okay with with trading Exum as well because. I like the guard class that you have coming in uh, in 2018. Mm-hmm. I, I've been watching uh, the kid out of Kentucky, Shea, Shea, um Last name escapes me, but he's Shea Alexander. Yeah, the Kentucky guard, the point guard for them. Tremendous passer. He's somebody who I, who I would look maybe at there. I think that you have a lot of. Uh, he's
1: the 26th ranked prospect right now, by the way, on ESPN's top
2: 100. Yeah, I think I think he's a stellar player. Uh, at Kentucky, and he could be a a, a starting point guard for a, a team in this league. Uh, the that being a place that you could start moving people, I think point guard, point guard is some something that you could give up to get your uh, big for the future that could okay. fill in for favors.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, then the I guess the question is, if you are doing your three team deal where you're sending out Derek Favors, some other team is sending a late first to Chicago. The only problem is you just have to match salaries. And given that, again, Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune has reported they don't want to take any long term deals on, um, that's going to be a hard fit. And, and again, he also, uh, sorry, Vinny Goodwill reported that. Uh, the Jazz have tried to give them Alec Burks, and the Jazz are, and then the Bulls are not interested in taking on that long-term contract.
2: Exactly, that's Somehow, the sports radio thing, right? Is that you would say, "Hey, you, you want to take Alec Burks? Uh, yeah." And then uh, we get the good player in this scenario. Yeah, oh, that's, we win. That's
1: not how this works.
2: We win the trade, right?
1: <laughs> and so you have to find some sort of matching salary to make that work. And you know maybe cleveland's willing to give i mean they absolutely be willing to give up channing fry as just kind of whether or not they want to trade their first round pick in order to get Derek favors who you know is is an upgrade probably over tristan thompson but how much of one um you know there it's it's kind of depends on what they want to do or if they want to use that pick to get deandre jordan and that for me that third team is why this deal can't
2: happen on january
1: 15th at least in my opinion
2: you also uh you detail it later, but the special trade situation that his team option.
1: Yeah, so that's a little bit goofy. So because he signed a one-year deal this summer, uh, he has – it's a one-year deal with a team option, but base, it's just one year. Under the NBA, CBA, he has the ability to say no to any trade he's in. So that he wants to go to Utah is a good thing, right? Because he could – conceivably say no to any trade that's not to Utah. Now the Bulls have a counter to that though, which is they can pick up that team option for next year for twelve and a half million dollars, and then that no trade clause goes away. So in reality, Miritich doesn't have really any doesn't have any leverage here. You know, the Bulls are gonna take the best trade available that's offered to them between now and the trade deadline.
2: So the, that sets it up. The, you're bidding against the Pistons, the Blazers, who are also in the mix, mm-hmm. and then... Um, that I mean, that's, that's the it. teams that yeah. have been reported so far. Yeah, That's it right now. That's who you're bidding bidding against. For a person that is p- performing at career-best numbers, and uh, how desperate is Stan Van Gundy going to be when right. he's trying to make it in the playoffs and his job's on the line. But here. on the other hand, like... I don't get
1: why the Pistons do that trade because they have that stretch four already. They have that stretch four a couple times over already, right? I mean, do you want to play Tobias Harris or Nikola Mirotic? And, okay, sure, you can play those guys together. But then you also have guys like John Lawyer on that roster. Anthony Tolliver has played a ton of minutes. I mean, they have that stretch four already, and maybe, you know, SVG is just all about the shooting, but I, I don't see that fit for them. And then for... For the Trailblazers, like, what are they giving up that's not a long term pick? I mean, do they give up, like, Noah Vonla?
2: Does that move the needle at all? And to what degree is this going to make them better because they're already an isolation basketball team, right? Right. <laughs> and it's and not again, like he's going to bring any passing and the ball is going to keep moving with him.
1: On the other thing, on the other hand, like, what's weird is their, their 20th offensively and third defensively. Like, I don't get the Trailblazers at all this year, and I just honestly probably haven't watched enough to figure out why they're so bad on offense. But they have Dame and C.J. McCollum they their 20th. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you need more offense, but maybe, yeah, like you say, adding more talented ISO guys isn't the solution.
2: They'll just be the best uh, one-on-one team in the NBA, and they could take you on that way and try to win that that game, but that's not the way that the basketball is played.
1: Yeah. Definitely. We've got a couple questions from Twitter that I want to get to before the break. Uh, that Dueling Kid asking, how do you see the Mitchell Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert pick and roll compared to the Gordon Hayward and uh, Rudy Gobert pick and roll? I mean, that's such a hard question because we haven't seen a ton of Donovan Mitchell at his best and Rudy Gobert. I think Mitchell is a little bit more of a threat at the basket than than Gordon Hayward was. Right now, he's probably not as good of a passer as Gordon Hayward was. But honestly, in terms of a threat it's you know it's dangerous right that donovan mitchell rudy gobert pick and roll is it has the potential to be really really good uh you know at that level of the gordon hayward rudy gobert pick and roll uh, for
2: sure and you've gone into this the uh pearl washington crossover that he's developed the inside out dribble Mm -hmm. i know you call it the inside out i call it pearl washington because he's the the first person that i saw do that dribble
1: how Um, old were you
2: when pearl washington was dribbling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't born when he was okay, at Syracuse. Right, yeah. uh, but I had to watch a lot of pro Washington uh at Syracuse where I am a proud alum of. Yeah. Um I he, he can get to the hoop. He he has developed a nice floater game and that's why uh you get all these comps to to Dwayne Wade with his ability to get to get to the hoop and finish around the basket. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we we really haven't seen how how potent it could be with Rudy Gobert rolling to the hoop.
1: Uh, Giorgio Spanias, our, our Greek fan who, who tweets in every show. I love it. Says Alec Burks in a second rounder for Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova. Uh, I don't see, I mean, I guess in that you would be, I, to me, that's a lot of, I guess, long term money to take on for Alec Burks. Uh, if I, I'm remembering, I guess Bellinelli is a free agent next year. Honestly, uh, Ilyasova, I think, has one more year on the deal. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, sure, why not? Because I'm willing, really pretty willing to give up second-round picks and Alec Burks in general. Um, Sova, it looks like, is also an expiring contract, so I was wrong on that. So I guess you dump Alec Burks' money for next year. I don't really see why Atlanta is willing to take on that next year of Alec Burks' contract, but if they're in, I'm in, sure, why not?
2: Yeah, sec- I agree with you. Second-rounders can leave. I- I'm okay with giving up. Second rounders and yeah, Alec Burks is another option. The Jazz be-
1: also just have some second rounders to use. Uh, they've got 2021 yep. Washington second rounder, 2022 San Antonio second rounder. Like you know, so you've got six second rounders in the next four drafts. You know, you're you're probably fine to give one up if you want to. Um, you know, I, I I I don't know. I I guess maybe you're not smart in giving up a a second round pick for no long term value, but maybe you can make a move for Bellinelli or Ilyasova somehow. You know, honestly, that trade is such a, a meh trade to me that it just it just <laughs> will add zero wins to the Jazz's roster. And it's just so, it's it's very blah.
2: It doesn't move the needle for you, Andy? Uh,
1: and I love like, you know, piddly little stuff like that. But yeah, in the end, I, I don't know. I, I, I just have not a whole lot of opinions on where Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova are in the atlanta hawks in 2018 um all right let's go ahead and take a break on the other side i want to talk more about some ideas of how to get nikola mirotic to utah i've got three possibilities for you involving Derek favors sending him out getting another pick back i want to hear what you think about it jp so that's coming up next here on the salt city hoop show on espn 700
0: The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right,
1: welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. I'm Andy Larson, the Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. We're the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Today, JP Chunga joins me. Ben Anderson is out. Uh Chunga is the producer. You okay with being called Chunga, by the way?
2: I'm okay with that, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, I'm, it's weird. I, I don't know that I'll do it a lot, but... uh
2: You aren't the last person f- as a name guy. You don't right. go up to people, hey, what's happening, uh Jones? Like, you don't do that to Tony, that's, right?
1: No, I don't. I do TJ. That,
2: But, but that's a nickname. That's a nickname. That's not, uh, hey, Goon, what's happening? Goon could go with his last name, but For sure. you don't go Goon. You're Chunga, first- you
1: can do that. Larson, it's hard to. Yeah. Uh anyway, Chunga here is the producer of the Gunther and Hackett show every weekday here on ESPN 700. All right, uh we've got a a couple of um couple of ideas for you on how the Jazz can get Nikola Mirotic without giving the the Bulls anything they want, which sounds backwards, right? But the problem is that the Jazz have all these trade assets that their first-round pick is too good, and then they have a whole bunch of very usable, very tradable veterans that the Bulls don't want any part of because they'll either make them better this season, and and then that ruins their tank, and then they'll just leave in free agency and go off and play for a better team. So what we're looking for is a third team to trade. The Jazz can trade something to... That team can trade what the Bulls want, which is a first-round pick and no long-term contracts, and the Jazz can get Nikola Muratich. And that's hard to do. couple of ideas. Boston probably needs another big man alongside Al Horford or to back up Al Horford or to be a defender next to Al Horford, whatever that is. Um, so this is kind of a complicated thing because Boston, the problem with that is they don't have any salaries that match Derek Favors' $12 million. So in order to do that, they need to get a bigger salary, and that's where they'd have to do a trade where they go out and get Denver's Daryl Arthur, Darrell Arthur, I should say, who's a $7.5 million salary, trade Aaron Baines for him, and then have Chicago uh, get that Daryl Arthur contract, get Boston's first-round pick, which could be 28th, 29th, 30th, then Boston gets the upgrade from Aaron Baines to Derek Favors for the price of a first-round pick, and the Jazz get Nikola Mirotic. My guess, honestly, is Boston's probably not willing to give up a first for that small Aaron Baines to Derek Favors upgrade. But it's
2: an idea. I'm in, I'm glad that you got four teams in here.
1: It's complicated AF. The more the team, say.
2: the more teams, the merrier.
1: I like four team deal- <laughs> Like honestly, it, it may take that level of creativity to get this done. Because again. Th- the Jazz want Miritich, and the yeah. Bulls don't want anything the Jazz have other than
2: something the Jazz aren't willing to give up. And the one you're trying to give up is Derek Favors, and you're trying to shop him around right. to, to teams that are are going to go for it. Honestly, the, next, the next one I really enjoy from you. Okay. I'll, before I get into it, there
1: are other options for the Jazz to trade besides Derek Favors. Honestly, I think yep. Joe Johnson has some value. I think Tabo Cephalosian has some value. I think Ekpe Udo has some value. I think Jonas Jerebko has some value. Rodney Hood obviously has value if the Jazz want to yeah. go that desperate. I don't know that I would trade Rodney Hood for Nikola Miritich, but maybe that's a different conversation. Um but Derek Favors is the guy in my He's mind. The obvious that's, fit. Is yeah. the obvious. And honestly, you probably if you're acquiring Mirotic, you probably have to trade Derek Favors just from like a rotational point of view. Yeah. If Rudy Gobert is healthy. Exactly. Anyway, uh the next one that you said you like so much. Thank you, by the way. I
2: like this one. This one's a spicy that- trade that, that- I, I see right now in front of me and I, I want to steal your thunder because this one i think works out for everybody involved well it's simple
1: so cleveland obviously needs a big man they're playing kevin lovett center right now uh not playing tristan thompson a ton of, a ton of minutes and honestly their defense has been surprisingly bad this season and when you look at their roster it makes some sense because what defensive players do they have right like Dwayne Wade can't stick in front of anyone. They're playing Jose Calderon or Isaiah Thomas at point guard. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is obviously a good defender. Kevin Love isn't. Jay Crowder has fallen off a cliff. I mean, it's they don't have anything inside to stop anybody, and so right now they are 27th in the league defensively.
2: That's not going to get it done in the NBA Finals. Yeah, the only trade off that they've gotten with this with Love at center is the fact that finally he's starting to look like it fits right. with. With this team, and and, and his numbers have ticked up,
1: which is which is nice. I I actually kind of like the Kevin Love at center yeah. f- as an option. I don't think it's sufficient to stop a team. You know, I yeah. I just you need something else. And so maybe Derek Favors is that guy. Honestly, the, the answer that they're really looking at is DeAndre Jordan. But if DeAndre Jordan isn't available or is traded to another team, that's when Derek Favors becomes option B. So they get Derek Favors. They trade their first round pick this year. Remember, they can do that because they have the Brooklyn first-round pick in this year's draft as well, as well as giving up the the dead salary of Channing Frye to Chicago and then the Jazz get Miritich. Channing Frye, by the way, has played in exactly one game this
2: season. And that's why it's perfect for, for all parties involved because Chicago wants to lose. I was tanking, yes, they're trying, to, they're trying to lose games. This helps you actively lose games by losing uh Miritich, right? Because they trade their best player, or at least through
1: these last 17 games, who's, who's been their best player in Miritich,
2: and you get uh another pick, another lottery ticket in this draft. Mm. You, you get um the expiring contract, the dead contract with Channing Fry, and Cleveland gets gets Derek Favors as another option uh, at the big alongside Love, Tristan Thompson, and and that group to try and help them as they go forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, the question is, does Cleveland want to give up their first-round pick? Yeah. Or do they want to keep it in case LeBron leaves, which is fair, but then maybe LeBron is more likely to leave if you have the 27th-ranked defense, you know, <laughs> and you don't make it to the NBA Finals. Uh, and then for Chicago can they do better than what is right now the 25th pick in the draft? Because, you know, if Detroit and Portland really are interested, those are the 18th and 20th pick right now in the draft. And actually, those teams are all tied with 21 and 18 records there, 18, 19, and 20. So if you can get one of their picks, you know, that that would obviously be better for Chicago.
2: Yeah, this is this, but this is the best uh, sports radio trade, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. That we that you could. Come I like
1: up. how you put everything in sports radio terms. you can tell what what you do for your day job.
2: Andy, I work in sports radio. Of yes. course, I I put this in in sports radio terms.
1: This one, yeah, but this one is like sexy from a yeah. Cleveland point of view. Uh, obviously changes the the landscape of the NBA a little bit. Yeah, and uh, gets Utah what they want. It gets gets Chicago what they want. Honestly
2: again though the desperation of of Detroit and and the desperation of the Blazers are, are the only two things that you have to stave stave off right in terms of them giving up their first round pick
1: and they might be desperate i mean maybe Stan doesn't want to do any scouting this year
2: you know like <laughs> just trade away that first round pick get better save yourself a lot of time stan would rather qu- uh, get in a fight with ESPN and not talk to sure, them. Sure, it's then, easier than uh decide to scout. You got to watch all these ca- college games and coach your NBA team. That's too much.
1: Exactly. Just, just trade your pick every year
2: and be an executive. <laughs> I it's mean, just real,
1: real difficult. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Is I don't that the Miritich thing doesn't make any sense to me for Detroit. It makes more sense to me for Portland, but still, it's it's a weird fit. Anyway, uh. And then after that, like I, I don't know that I can find a trade that makes a ton of sense for both teams. You know, Oklahoma City is a team that's looking for a scoring wing type or or even a defending wing type. So like Tabo Cephalosha, Joe Johnson, even maybe an Alec Burks are good fits there. Um, Minnesota is looking for a scoring type again. Joe Johnson is is a good fit there and a guy they've talked about a little bit. I, I, I don't know. Tabo Cephalosha makes a lot of sense to me for Minnesota. I don't know that you're getting a first-round pick from them. And Minnesota can't trade a first-round pick until 2020 because they traded away this year's pick for Adrian Payne for no reason five,
2: four years ago. Uh, Well, uh, well, I mean, the here's the deal. They also got Chicago's pick uh, for that Jimmy Butler trade. So did things end up okay with them? I think uh, they come out even in this situation. What, what do you mean in, in terms of trading... Didn't they get uh Chicago, uh, Chicago uh, second-rounder as well alongside uh, Jimmy Butler?
1: They probably got they got Chicago's pick in last year's draft, but not oh, right. yeah, next yeah, year's yeah. draft. Right. So yeah. that's right. – they've already used that. Well, I guess they didn't come out even in this situation. <laughs> I mean, they got Jimmy Butler, but, yeah, it's it's not a good – I don't know. That's another weird, like, GM as coach weird choice, right? Is right, yeah. What yeah, Tibbs yeah. did. I mean, sure, you got Jimmy Butler. You've got a more competitive team everything's great except now you don't have to scout this year
2: <laughs> exactly I mean, exactly and and this What's is the
1: Adrian Payne thing while he was GM though I might be I might be conflating GMs
2: I he might have been but I was I was going on a different uh yeah go ahead different scale here because um when you have these coach GM situations a lot of what you get is uh is the desperation they say uh, I want to get this person how do, how do we make it work and they go to their numbers guys, and they they crank out something, and then they go for it because right. that that's how they want to deal with this. They don't they don't have this uh, long term uh, mindset that they're trying to go for. They're going right now. I want this guy. I'm going to get him. Hmm. And if if I have the authority to do it, then I'm going to do that. I I've heard Aminel Hassan explain this uh, like mind and and thinking countless of times with. And with that's why
1: you know the Suns are where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, because they don't have that kind of patience. And, exactly. And that, that really does hurt an NBA team. Uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And, and honestly, why Minnesota might be interested in a guy like Joe Johnson, who hasn't shown a lot on the defensive end, uh, or Tabo Losha who actually has been really good, but is also 33 years old. You know, those are kind of short-term solutions to short-term problems that don't take into account what happens in
2: 2020. And Joe... Uh- Frankly, he fits. He fits sort of in that style of offense that the t- Timberwolves are playing. If he, if you give him a, if you say, "Hey Joe, I'll, I'll give you long twos, non-restricted area uh, twos. he's in. He
1: will take it. Him and Jamal Crawford are the Spider-Man gif. They, <laughs> yeah. they, that's they're the same. Exactly. All right, we got to take another break. On the other side, JP's got a hypothetical for us that I've been dreaming to answer on the air for a long time. So that's Thank coming goodness. up next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN Seven Hundred.
0: listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right,
1: welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Next segment, we're going to get to your tweets uh, tweeted at us, your questions tweeted at us, I should say, uh, at Andy B. Larson if you want to get in on this and get your questions answered by JP and I about the Utah Jazz and the NBA, some of these trade possibilities coming up. Remember, this year, the trade deadline is before the All-Star break. So this is actually coming up much sooner than you probably realize. In just over a month, the NBA trade season will come to an end. So uh, this is the time to figure out what your roster looks like and what you want to do for it for the end of the season and for next year to come. So we'll be talking about that throughout the show. Again, tweet us at Andy B. Larson. Or if you'd like, you can also call into the show, 877 Three five three zero seven hundred. JP Chunga joins me. He's the producer of Gunther and Hackett, and uh, on this segment, you know, I, I come in and I sub for Gunther and Hackett sometimes. Obviously, I come in for the Salt City Hoop Show every week, uh, and so JP always comes to me with one of these hypotheticals about the NBA. Uh, and so finally, since he was he's co-hosting being so kind today, i I thought we'd we'd discuss it a little bit on air. so let's do let's do number one here, J p.
2: Well, I love when uh, you and Ben are in here because you got yeah. the basketball mind going, and I want to see I want to work different parts of your brain because you've got the front front part of the brain working on uh, hypothetical trades, these mm-hmm. things. I take you to bizarro world. I take you to the back of your brain. I'm I'm looking at other parts of of things. And this hypothetical, I I am always entertained by this one. Okay. This this is one of my specials. This is one that that I bring up with everybody who who is a big basketball fan. All right. So you got the Golden State Warriors, far and away a team that is going away with the NBA.
1: Sixteen and one last year in the NBA playoffs.
2: Exactly who's going to beat him? So I'm trying to level the playing field here. What if the Warriors are playing in socks? How does that change the calculus for everybody else?
1: So I have limited experience watching NBA players in basketball socks. Uh, I think we've seen it in the dunk contest. Gerald Green, remember, after the cupcake dunk? Yes. Uh, the Where he blew out the birthday cake candle on top of the rim, tried to dunk in socks, Did Duncan Sox was successful at it. That being said, didn't show any of the agility, the back and forth movement that you would need at the NBA level to defend, to set screens. Imagine just setting a screen, you just move with the guy. There's there's no resistance there anymore if you're wearing socks. Correct. Uh, Everyone's a little bit less bouncy. Everyone's a little bit less fast. I don't think there's any way... I think the Warriors would be the worst team in the league. Worst Sox. team? Yes. I, the I worst know, team.
2: I don't know if I would go that far with it. Worst team in the end. Worse than the Hawks without yes. Sox.
1: Because if we're honest for a second, there's not like... Okay, the Warriors are like one of the greatest uh, greatest comp- you know compilations of talent yes. we've ever seen in NBA history. Correct. And yet, you look at their like offensive rating compared to the Hawks. You know right now the Warriors at are are at 113.2 and the Hawks are at
2: 104. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that Sox is only 9 points? Uh, socks on these good players. Here, here's the other thing. They also go through an entire preseason without socks. That's- <laughs> they work through the kinks without socks. There they- are no kinks. Look, Someone goes and plays them in shoes and they're done. Andy, I understand going through the first couple games of the year, people are going to freak out. They're going to say, we got to find a sock playing magician. We got to get Harlem Globetrotters who are specialized in, no. in sock playing for this team. I understand that. No, 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 no. They They're... go through training camp. They go through preseason, <laughs> summer league, all in socks. They have prepared for this moment. That was
1: the biggest straw man <laughs> I have ever heard. No one, when reacting to the Golden State Warriors <laughs> ha- playing socks, thinks, "Oh, we need to go out and get some sock specialists." <laughs> we gotta in here. blow it up. That's not. That's no one has ever. No one uh, thinks this,
2: Andy. If you listen to K and D, that the
1: Warriors are the best possible playing sock basketball players. It's just that, unfortunately, it makes them like twenty percent worse, not ten percent worse. And if the Warriors are twenty percent worse, then they're the Chicago Bulls, and they are the worst team in the league.
2: All right, so let's let's make them ten percent worse. No, let's, the let's socks g- are socks. You can't change what they are. I know, I know. But let's let's keep the socks on. Okay,
1: I'll
2: calm down. Give them give them sandals. Uh, like, like the Nike Nike. These are these are crafted by Nike sandals that they they have made specially for this season this hypothetical season that the warriors are playing in socks and sandals so really and like, they're playing basketball
1: so really they're kind of like shoes but uh you know if you get stepped on on the top of your shoe on your foot it kind of hurts, hurts more and i mean look tabo Cephalosius is out there playing in air maxes right like exactly air max 90s like these are these are basically sandals
2: yes <laughs> they're <laughs> so, walking around shoes yeah <laughs> and I I think
1: I think with sandals I think they would be they would be fine if if they were I mean can we put like a little bit of a side on the sandals so no that side. they
2: can uh, no side
1: that might make them ten percent worse too I mean there's just a I I get that you still have Kevin Durant like shooting out there and Steph and the whole thing but what makes Steph special is that he can run around screens and get open and if he's doing right. it in clogs then like it it doesn't work as well
2: see and I also see as a defensive tactic people are just Willy nilly stepping on on uh, feet. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we've got <laughs> players that are just stepping. Some dirty play. Yeah, dirty play. It would be complete dirty play, but it's an advantage that you have to take if if you're a normal team trying to beat the Warriors in socks and sandals.
1: Um. All right, I want to get back to
2: real basketball really quick. Because we've <laughs> what are you we've talking got, about? <laughs> we've got a
1: tweet that I I want I want to give our readers some. Respects.
2: <laughs> can they? Uh, they can chime in on this. I, one. I do.
1: I, I do want to hear what people think about this. Reluctantly. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I've thought about this a lot because we've we've argued yeah. this before. Uh, so if you have opinions on the Golden State Warriors and socks, you can you can tweet me. Or if you're listening to the show as a podcast later, which by the way you can download the show on iTunes and Stitcher. It's called the Salt City Hoop Show. Uh, so check that out every week. Pete Bush, uh, Busha. I think is how you pronounce it. One of our our regular listeners asked, so you know how Bobby Portis punched Nikola Mirotic in the face? Yeah. He wants to know what happened in that and why, you know, if it is, if that's what, if Bobby Portis punched Nikola Mirotic in the face, broke his jaw, why are his teammates allegedly taking the side of Bobby Portis? What do you think
2: happened? I think about this all the time. Okay. Uh, This
1: is not a hypothetical. This is real.
2: No, I know. Yeah. I I think about these sort of, Work dynamics all the time, especially in the NBA. Are you getting punched by Gunther <laughs> or Hackett? Should we we worry about it? See, but most of the most of our fights aren't about what I'm going to uh, uh, recklessly speculate right now. Okay, most of these fights between NBA players, it's over a woman, right? Because or, or money or money. Yeah, it's over a woman or money. Uh, I say that only because uh, you have a select pool of people that you can get to know in certain cities. Wait, as an NBA player. Yeah, yeah. There's a
1: select pool of women that NBA players can meet. Yes. I mean, there is certainly, certainly they have shared friends and whatnot, and they're, they certainly know some of the same women, but like I think there's also just, Tinder has made it so there is a, a larger range of people they can meet.
2: They're not on Tinder. They're on the fancy one. Okay. They're on the one that's exclusive. Agreed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Exactly. So what's in that? Same, same women that you're going to be seeing know, with your NBA friends. Okay? And- and it and that, that's why I start. I start to think. Oh, I think uh, Mirtich. He decided to do something that mm, mm. he shouldn't have. Interesting.
1: Um, I- I'm curious what happened there. And apparently, like there were so many Bulls players and coaches and staff there that everyone, like it's kind of a commonly known story in NBA insider circles. And yet, I can't get anyone to tell me what it is. So it must be kind of bad what happened and why the Bulls are on Bobby Portis' side. On the other hand, that Nikola Mirotic wants to play in the Jazz uniform is is a good thing because, you know, maybe he likes it with a coach that's coached in Europe and with the European roster and all of that, that he, he feels like more of, uh you know, he would feel more at home here in, in the Utah Jazz and, and and Quinn Snyder system.
2: Well, that certainly would help because I you don't see these players fighting.
1: No, no one has punched anyone in the face that I recall. That you know of. Uh, Jack Cooley apparently, you know, nearly injured or did injure somebody, like knocked a tooth out of somebody Mm. in a jazz training camp once, but you know, that was presumably good old fashioned elbowing and whatnot. The kind of play you expect from Jack Cooley.
2: Not breaking the face like
1: Bobby Portis. Maybe breaking the face, but like on accident. (laughs) Anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got more questions from you guys, uh, on guys like, if you can, if the Utah Jazz may trade for Andrew Wiggins, which Jazz player would excel playing in a different era of the NBA? We've got more of those questions next here on the Salt City Hoop Show, right here on ESPN 700.
0: Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show. I'm Andy Larson, Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com, the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, which is the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. talking about the Utah Jazz in the NBA every week here on the Salt City Hoop Show. We've moved to Tuesdays for the next couple of months because there is a Utah men's or women's basketball game every single Thursday for the next two months. So we figured we'd make some room for the show during this important middle part of the NBA season, heading into the trade deadline, the all-star break and all that by uh, moving the show to Tuesdays. So you can expect it here for the next couple of weeks, or I guess a couple of months. I think it's the next six weeks after this one. Uh, I wanted to do this segment with your Twitter questions. Um, I I got some submissions earlier on today that we could talk about on the show. But if you want to add in some new ones uh, for this segment right now, you certainly can. You can tweet us at Andy B. Larson at JP underscore Chunga over here. JP, did I introduce you? I did not introduce you. You didn't. This. It's OK. That's that's very harmful or hurtful, I should say. JP Chungle is is the producer of Gunther and Hackett every weekday here from two to six on ESPN 700, um, and is my co-host today. Ben Anderson is out, uh, so we we called up JP. Is that fair to say? Bring in the righty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're the righty, and Ben's the lefty.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, anyway, so we'll we'll take your questions on Twitter at Andy B Larson. You can also call us if you'd like. 877 353 is the number. Reading that to you again one more time, 877 353 Call if you have any questions about the Jazz's trade market uh, or anything else about the Utah Jazz or the NBA. All right, let's get to some of these questions. First one came in from All That Amar, a uh, guy who's been on Jazz Twitter for a long time, used to run the Jazz's SB Nation website and uh, a site I used to write for SLC Dunk says, "Which jazz player would excel playing in a different era of the NBA?" JP, do you have anything?
2: I think one of the easy answers is Joe Johnson. Sure, right? because yeah. he would be perfect in uh, '90s era NBA Hand check rules. He's very strong. He could hit the mid-range jumper. Um, I could see him excelling there, especially as a as a big body too. Yeah, he he would be good to. Uh, to offer sort of that stretch to the floor. I know they didn't it, it's not as if they were gunning threes back in the 90s, but um he'd be able to stretch the floor that way and and iso ball of the 90s, he'd be okay with. I I'd like to see him on one of those Knicks teams be perfect alongside yeah. uh Patrick Ewing as as the other big. I like that thought.
1: That's yeah, cuz you know, back in the two big days, that's I, I, I mean, well, first of all, what do you think Joe Johnson is? Is he a big or a not big? But regardless of if he plays the three or the four, yeah, I think he he fits on the Knicks teams. I think he's he's better in that kind of situation. He's uh, you know, in that kind of slow it down game, he'd be a nice fit. My answer for this is is probably Ricky Rubio, um, because right, I, I think now because of how many pick and rolls there are and how smart the NBA has gotten with adjustments. It hurts not to have a point guard who can shoot and score at the rim, or at least one of those two things. And Ricky Rubio can't really do either. He can shoot from mid-range a little bit, but he, you know, again, it's it's not good. So Ricky Rubio in the 90s or 80s, I think, would have had a lot more flexibility to do to find guys uh, open on the offensive end. His, I, I believe his steals would have been a little bit more impactful on the defensive end with uh, less space and and that sort of thing. I think Ricky Rubio probably would have been a better point guard ten years ago than he is now. I also want to say Derek Favors. You know, I, I think Derek Favors would have been a power forward in in the bygone era. It's now just definitely a center. Um, and honestly, you know, I think five years ago Derek Favors as a power forward made a ton of sense, and and now it it pretty much doesn't.
2: I put Derek Favors alongside George Mikan. I'm unbeatable on those uh, Minneapolis Lakers.
1: Sure, in 1950, like, look, if you put like Rudy Gobert out there, can you imagine I'm what like yeah. the <laughs> 1950s like yeah. everyone thinks? How tall was George Mikan?
2: Um, I'm not sure. I know Bill Russell was 6'10.
1: George Mikan also 6'10, according okay. to Wikipedia.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, Rudy
2: Gobert is seven
1: feet tall <laughs> yeah. and has like a nine foot nine standing reach. <laughs> like, they are so befuddled by Rudy Gobert. <laughs> First of all, that there's like a foreigner in the United States. No, that's it's probably too late for foreigner surprise. But like, yeah. I, I just Rudy Gobert would so befuddle everyone. They would no one have would have any idea what to do with this gigantic Frenchman who stopped every single shot within five feet.
2: Scooter trying to get off his jump oh, shot his uh, no push chance. shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no chance that he's going to get that off. Yeah, uh, you you could park him right. They would have to change rules. Oh, and they like, would like they did like they, they did all, for Wilt like and Kareem. oh and for Mike too and for, yeah I mean <laughs> I mean they they would continue to change rules they would <laughs> they would say actually uh, the hoop is now at the bottom it's now a five foot rim maybe ah. they go like fifteen feet hoop
1: just so Rudy oh, can't stop
2: shots like um, but people are still doing push shots at that point.
1: Right. Yeah. So they can't even get it up that high. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, I don't know what they do, but if if they encounter Rudy Gobert like basketball, maybe they just stop playing basketball, and we don't have it
2: today. <laughs> Thank goodness uh, they weren't playing during the Peachback era.
1: Is there any player who'd be worse in? I, I'm, uh, every player would be, be better in the fifties. Is there any player oh, yeah. that would be worse in in the nineties or early two thousands, something like that? Eighties,
2: maybe even. I think another interesting player would be. Uh, I don't know why I'm on the on this sort of '90s tale um, on Knicks that should have been, but uh, Alec Burks would be really good uh, yeah. during the '90s. I think h- him being able to be sort of, I'd say Ron Harper esque uh, ish, a uh, knockoff variation of it um, in in that era, he would be able to to be okay.
1: My question is whether or not he could still drive to the basket with hand checking rules. Hand checking, yeah, and you know, may, honestly, I, it's hard to tell. Maybe, maybe not. Like, he's kind of... Alec Burks is kind of like Dwayne wade light, if that makes sense. You know, Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade called him one of his favorite players even. Um, but I think Dwayne Wade was really helped by those rule changes and really kind of was the first guard, at least in my mind, to really, really take advantage of that to an NBA Finals championship um, in 2006.
2: He could be... Uh, I just looked this up because uh, I wanted to see if the size size worked out here uh he could be uh rick barry-esque in back in the back in the 70s wait alec burks could be yeah Uh, okay i don't know that he has that kind of shooting i don't know if he has that kind of shooting but but he has the the handle enough i don't know know that he has that kind of
1: passing (laughs) i i don't know that i see this jp i gotta be honest all
2: right he's a better teammate people like alec burks better than rick barry (laughs) That's true of
1: everyone who's played in the NBA, yeah. even Nikola
2: Mirotic. We were like, yeah, I'd take him over. Uh, yeah,
1: it's just, it's, anyway. Uh, what do you think? Is there anyone who'd be worse? I mean, maybe Joe Ingles, yeah, like is, is a less good fit. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, while we're at it, Amar also asked a uh, stranger question. I'll, I, I said I would answer all the questions. We'll answer all the questions. Wine and pasta sauce, yes or no?
2: I never know how
1: much wine to add in
2: the pasta sauce. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I mean,
1: presumably they're recipes, right? You put in that much, however oh, much it says. I need an
2: extra kick, Andy. <laughs> Come on.
1: How much is too much? Okay, fair. Fair enough.
2: Sometimes I overload it. <laughs> and then it just becomes a wine night.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I prefer to drink my wine rather than eat it, but to each their own, I would say.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you could never put enough in, in my book, at least. Uh, but, of course, I'm not a, a chef.
1: Polyester Larry at Spandex Larry, lots of names for Mr. Larry uh, relating to clothing, asks if Andrew Wiggins becomes available, are you interested and how much do you give up? First of all, I, I think the genesis of this rumor is from David Locke's talks uh, about Andrew Wiggins potentially being available um, in this in kind of this idea that they've given. The Wolves have given Andrew Wiggins this huge contract, five years, $150 million, uh, that kicks in after this one. And they're finding out that maybe maybe he's not worth it. I mean, he's only scoring 17 points a game. Um, he's been their third scorer. He hasn't added anything to his game in terms of rebounding and assists. He's still not a very good defender, although he's developed somewhat on that end. He's still not great. And in the end, they're looking at paying, again, $150 million for the next five years for a guy who has a 13.4 PER right now. What do I think about acquiring that guy? I mean, Andrew Wiggins is talented, but if the Minnesota Timberwolves are not super excited about paying that, I'm not paying that either. To be quite frank, I, I would rather not have Andrew Wiggins on my team at that price point than have Andrew Wiggins on my team. I don't care who you give up. I mean... I give up. Alec Burks, a guy who I think has negative value for that, but I, I you know, I, I, I don't think I do that because then you're you're ruining any free agent possibilities you have between 2019 and 2022. You know, to me, it's just, I, I, I guess I don't believe in Andrew Wiggins as a player or as a prospect enough to make that deal. What say you?
2: My only deal with with it being okay, at least at least right now, even putting aside the price point, is that now you're you're buying low, right? He. He had a higher price point, uh, I would say, at least as far as trade value uh, in other years when he's not being supplanted by Jimmy Butler, basically having the his his usage uh, on the team, and now you can get him at a cheaper price. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only way this becomes economical for the Jazz if, if they were to go after Andrew Wiggins. As far as a player is concerned things get a little hairy there because yeah, I'm not so sure if his his work defensively would be within Quinn Snyder's system.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's that's kind of what I come down to. I I don't think he's a smart player. Um by all accounts, he isn't. I'll say that. Uh I don't think he's a good defender. Like I I just don't think it's a good conceptual fit. And maybe you know, you need a little bit, bit of zag in a zig system if you will, but mm. I, I to me, I I
2: just don't see it
1: at all. I, I know it's something that, like I say, Locke likes it. I I I just it's not someone I want on my team at that salary value for the next five years.
2: Would you buy low on it? It's buying low now, yeah. But again,
1: I no, I wouldn't because I honestly don't know that this is low right now. Like he, it, it could, could go get lower because you know there's still this idea that he's 23 years old and he could improve. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't improve, then Yikes, Yikes, and he just yikes, made yikes, yikes.
2: Andy just made the worst face imaginable right now. Uh, I'm trying to translate this to radio. <laughs> He's like, he crossed his lips and made an irk sound that you heard. That's what happened. He, you're not in on this at all.
1: No, I, okay. I'm really not. Like, you know, for all the reasons that Minnesota would want to trade him, yeah. I don't want to trade for him. Okay, fair I, enough, right?
2: I understand that. Yeah, again. For me, the the selling point, at least for you, if you're the Jazz, is that if if this comes low, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Schmieg at Schmieg.
1: I don't know. I'll I'll tweet it. I'll I'll read it out just so people can follow it. If you want to follow the great Schmieg, S C H M I E G. Are any teams really interested in Alec Burks, or do we think this was leaked from the Jazz's camp to try to generate interest? I don't think it was leaked from the Jazz's camp to try to generate interest, and here's why. The part where Alec Burks was mentioned in these articles was the Jazz are trying to trade Alec Burks to the Bulls, and the Bulls want a first-round pick for it. Like, that's that's not a thing that you say to drum up interest in Alec Burks. What you could say is, uh, you know, and, and maybe in the Woz article, Alec Burks was mentioned as a team, as a guy teams might be interested in, but... Uh, I think it's there. the way that Woes wrote it, he said that the teams might be interested in the availability of Alec Burks. And then he put him in a category with Damari Carroll, who last offseason was given away for a first-round pick. That is to say that the Nets got a first-round pick in addition to taking on Damari Carroll's salary. I think Alec Burks continues to have negative trade value. I think he did last summer. I think he's very similar to Damari Carroll in that you probably don't want a guy who's as inefficient as that um to be you'd probably don't want to pay him 11 million dollars next
2: year. I read the same way in that Woj article is the fact that he's being mentioned alongside other people um as if this doesn't work out maybe we could go here as right. as a C option as as not somebody who people are going after actively but if they end up with him it's a low price. And, and they could end up with him, and they'd be fine with that.
1: And again, in Vinny Goodwill's article, he's a Chicago Bulls beat writer, he said uh, the Bulls don't want to take on Alec Burks' $11.5 million for 2018-19 without the Jazz att- attaching a draft pick. So again, that to me reads as negative value. Uh, I I just don't think, you know, I, I think teams might be interested in Alec Burks if they earn a pick out of it, sure. And I think maybe even the Oklahoma City Thunder might be interested in Alec Burks if they can dump in a equivalent amount of salary onto that so if you trade burks uh for kyle singler and uh oh who's who's the other guy that's got time left uh is it cole aldrich i uh or alex abrinas i should say um you know one of those guys who has also has money left on his deal for next year maybe you do it but that's just a one for one kind of trade where you're trading a bad contract for another bad contract um, Schmieg also asked another random question, which I know, JP, your this is your specialty. I'm all in. Does zest soap really make one zestfully clean? And are you really clean unless you're zestfully clean? This is not an advertisement, by the way.
2: I don't go for things, these soaps that say, oh, extra zest, extra, uh, like the ones with the little beads. Yeah. Do, do you buy that soap?
1: Uh, i I tried it once and, like, got some beads all over me, and i I wasn't a huge fan of that, actually, to be honest. Like I could see that it was different than typical soaps, yeah, but I didn't see how that was an improvement over my my usual soaping strategy,
2: yeah. I think those soaps bunk the The little beads bunk, I think adds nothing. Don't
1: it's they just... also like pollute the environment? I, I read an article on, you know, BuzzFeed or whatever. About how all these little beads going down the sink, now all these little microbeads are in the ocean, and fish think they're food, and then they eat a microbead, and then it's all over for Mr. Fishy.
2: Exactly. When you have Nemo going down the same pipes as uh, your little beads, things are not going to end up for Nemo and never going to be found. So we're out on beads, I'm and neutral I, on zest soap. Well, I feel the same way about zest. That's That's why I oh. brought up the beads. Okay. I think zest soap, bunk. Also bunk.
1: What's what's that difference? Is that it's extra zesty? What does that even
2: mean? I think it's, it's just another branding opportunity for these sure. people trying to get you to buy something that you don't need. You don't need beads, and people are trying to force it on you. You don't need zest. You're fine. Okay. Go with the regular stuff. Everyone,
1: you're fine. That's
2: <laughs> Use the regular bath wash. You're good.
1: These are questions tweeted at us, by the way. We're not just talking about zest and beads for no reason.
2: I was bringing this up with Gunther and Hackett this (laughs) afternoon, so I don't know what you're talking about.
1: At Andy B. Larson, at JP underscore Chunga, if you want to ask us a question on the show. Rizzo Kizzo asks, if you had to guess which jazz player would be most likely to punch Mirtich in the face, who would it be? This is a great question. Joe Ingles. You think Joe Ingles is going to punch someone in the face?
2: Joe I've never
1: known Joe Ingles to be, honestly, that, caring of a person and like everything Joe Ingles does on the court has a, a air of ironic detachment about it. Like he laughs at Terrence Ferguson as he comes down the floor. He laughs at Chris Paul for flopping. Like everything he does is with the knowledge that yes, I'm playing in an NBA game and yes, this doesn't even matter to me, but I'm still gonna talk to you and, and trash talk and, and hit a three in your face because I am a weird balding Australian man.
2: I think you get the weird balding Australian man and Miritich in the same room. Mirichich starts going after uh, Joe Ingles, and how many times has Joe I, Ingles been gone after? Because in many of these situations, I'm not sure that it, he's I, he's going uh, he's going above the the weight. No, weight I, I agree, but
1: I, I don't think Joe Ingles responds with a punch in that situation. Okay, I think Joe Ingles just laughs it off and gets maybe gets punched.
2: I don't know that he punches. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay, then who else so, who else is somebody? Rita could...
1: Gobert, famously boxer, also kind of a competitive guy. Maybe I could see, you know, Miritich and Gobert fighting in practice over a loose ball. Somehow something goes bad and there's there's an incident. Also, there's kind of the the French Spain tie there, right? Where Ooh. Rita Gobert plays for France, Miritich for Spain. They don't like each other. This I like. There might be something there, right? Uh maybe A B. Uh, Jonas Jerebko actually gets in a ton of fights uh, or a ton of skirmishes I should say mm-hmm. um in, in his time with the Boston Celtics and the Detroit Pistons we haven't seen it so much this year so maybe him um uh, those maybe Ekpe Udo again for the same reasons that you're you're fighting for a rebound and something happens to someone but let's uh, I'll put it this way I think the jazz are a top five team unlikely to punch someone.
2: I was just for my own purposes. I was looking if uh, Royce O'Neill would be a candidate, but then I saw he's from a small, small town in Texas called K- Killeen. Killeen's not small. Killeen has like three
1: hundred thousand people. That's... they have an airport that I almost flew in when uh, the Atlanta a- airport power outage happened. I'm seeing a hundred thousand. Okay, that's fine. I may have lied to you. Like <laughs> I got the right. I got the right like number of digits. Okay. What more do you want? You know, Killeen's, thats not that small of a city uh, compared to Texas.
2: Yeah, Texas. Texas is huge. Yeah. I. Here's the deal. But
1: there are small. That's a city. That's not a small town.
2: Compared comparatively in Texas, as which one of us has also, lived in Texas, point? Andy? None of
1: us. Well, you have.
2: I have. That's right. <laughs> uh,
1: what's your point with regards to small cities or towns being more or less likely to lead to punching?
2: All right. So you got a can't go back all star. Can't go back. Can't go back to Colleen, Texas. He's trying to stay in the NBA. Can't risk it. Can't punch anybody. In that case, I throw him out in, in the uh, contest of somebody who would be potential punchers on this team.
1: Sure. Okay.
2: Are you following the logic ladder I get there? It.
1: Yes. <laughs> Your logic is goofy. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I, you know. we'll, we'll let it sit at that.
2: You can't go back to Colleen. You just can't. He, this is a man who also uh, transferred from the University of Denver. Sure. He went to Baylor. He made it out. These are, for sure, Ekpe Udo facts. <laughs> uh, I, I still don't see... Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> Royce O'Neill Royce facts. <laughs> I don't see how they have anything to do with his likelihood of punching somebody.
2: It means that he is... Less he can't risk things. He can't say, oh, that's I'm, true. Royce is not
1: good enough to punch someone in the face. Like he would get waived.
2: Exactly. That's that's, true. that's why he can't okay. he can't go back. Okay.
1: At JPY Blue, Jeff asks, wouldn't it make sense for a contender to get involved with the Miritich deal, send favors and Joe Johnson to a contender? Contender stands late first to the Bulls, Bulls to Jazz. Actually, yes, that's what we've been talking about all show long. Also, any chance to jazz reach for Yabu Sele, i.e., the Boston Celtics would be that third team and then maybe the Jazz get or trade Yabusele as part of that pick you know maybe I don't I honestly have no idea what the Jazz think of Yabusele he was kind of a surprising first round pick in that draft anyway um he had a decent career in in China he was decent when coming over here I I I just don't know what the Jazz think of him as a prospect um I don't think a ton of him as a prospect you know I'd rather have like Semi Ojale for example but I, you know, I My Gershon Yabusele takes are pretty meh.
2: The only Gershon uh, Yabusele take that I have um, was the fact that I found out about him, obviously through that draft, but it always stuck with me, uh, Dancing Bear nickname.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great nickname. All right, we'll do one more question before we take a break, and then we actually have a couple more that came in on Twitter, so we'll get to them next segment. Uh, but... Let's see. Oh, and, and then I scrolled, so that was a mistake. Uh, here's one from Corey Dean at UteFans1023: What really is Derek Favors' value? His rebound numbers are poor. He's not the defender he once was, and obviously, there's his injury history. That's a really good question, and I throw in there that he's a center in a in a NBA landscape that has too many big men already. So, to answer your question. He's also an expiring pick so or an expiring contract. So you're really trading for two to three months of Derek Favors plus whatever his bird rights are worth to you. So yeah, he's not worth much. You know, honestly, Derek Favors was a guy who was talked about as maybe being enough to trade for the first round or the first pick in the draft back when Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were getting drafted. Now that's not the case. We're talking about trading him for a late first. And, you know, honestly, at the center position, he's shown some real value there averaging 16 points a game, 8 rebounds per game while he started. So that's kind of his value is adding offense, rolling to the rim, and, and finishing there. Um, but you're right in terms of the number of teams that would be interested in a player like that. There aren't that many. And those teams also have some some options that they can trade for in, in guys like DeAndre Jordan, who's also going to be on the trade market
2: too. Well, that's the deal. If, if people get de- desperate, then his trade value obviously goes up. Because right. if if you're a contender and you want that rental, well, Derek Favors fits that need. If uh, DeAndre Jordan and and the Clippers start scrapping their way uh, into the playoffs, and and he's no longer on on the trade trade block, uh, that that's the only way that he really develops a lot of uh, value. Is if Jordan's not available.
1: Yeah. All right, we've got some more questions um, coming up next segment. Brandon Whitesides, Denny Karchner. Uh, who else do we have here? Other tweeters, let's put it that way.
2: Are we going to get to the Cedric Ma- Maxwell sound as well?
1: Oh yeah, and we got to do the Cedric Maxwell sound. We'll do Cedric Maxwell last segment. Okay, cool. We'll do answer our listeners' questions next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN seven hundred.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN seven hundred.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson here with you, with JP Chunga. I am the Utah Jazz Beat Writer for KSL.com. JP is the producer of the Gunther and Hackett Show every weekday here on ESPN 700. Uh, we're taking your questions about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on Twitter. We'll also take your calls. Uh, so you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson. And at JP underscore Chunga, or if you'd like to call us 877-353-0700. Although nowadays people just wanna they wanna tweet in their questions. You know, no one no one talks anymore. JP,
2: are you going on a millennial rant? Yeah, now? we.
1: I mean, I can't. We're we're both millennials. We can't get away with this. <laughs> I
2: was gonna say, yo, why why are you taking uh, shots at the? Brothers out here, we're we're all a part of a millennial community, and yes, I'm okay with you just tweeting in your questions. That's fine. Yes, they, tweet them in.
1: It makes it easier to handle, even.
2: Yeah, I don't want to talk to you.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I do want to talk to you. That's that's rude, JP. <laughs> I do want to talk to the people, but I'm fine if they want to tweet in. Yes. that's cool too. Okay, fine. Corey Christensen at Corey C 4 asks: Should the Jazz have any interest in Andrew Bogut? why yeah th- they should not <laughs> why would they do that it, honestly like uh Ekpe Udo is better you by two or three notches yeah um there's no reason you would want andrew bogut on this team
2: you have favors you have gobert he's um i guess he's
1: australian so that's kind of fun like just
2: a nice trio
1: have as many australians as possible on your roster to me, it doesn't make any
2: sense. Yeah, I, I don't think that that has anywhere on the Jazz.
1: Uh, we answered Corey Dean's question: What really is Derek Favors' value? Um, it's it's pretty iffy, to be honest. You know, whether the Jazz can get a first for him is is a real question. Uh, why does Joe Ingles lead the Jazz in minutes?
2: JP. You're the plugged in one. I I would imagine because he's so versatile in the lineups that he can play with that I mean he's the prototypical Quinn yeah, Snyder look, player. There's that and honestly, like he
1: you could make a case that he is their best and most reliable wing player this year. Um <laughs> obviously there's a there's a shooting, excuse me, there's a 43% shooting from three. Uh, he gets inside he passes the ball well he's actually only point six assists per game behind Ricky Rubio believe it or not he had nine assists last week that's that in a in a pretty good performance and although uh, I believe that was the Denver game uh and while the jazz lost that it wasn't Joe Ingles' fault uh he defends well he's a better defender than Rodney Hood he's a better defender than Alec Burks um he's he's a good player and then the other thing is he never gets injured because he moves you know, three and a half miles per hour. So, uh, there's, he, he stays on the floor. Whereas even someone like Donovan Mitchell, who plays more minutes per game, uh, has missed two games due to injury. Ricky Rubio missed one game. Uh, Derek favors has missed two games this year. Obviously Rodney hood has missed large stretches. So he's just been way more, uh, you know, resilient compared to the rest of the jazz's roster.
2: been struggling as of late. I know, uh, a lot of the frustration is is whether he's able to take the opportunities that he has to him, uh, especially shooting open shots and, and making them at least. Um, over the last uh, 10 games, 33% from three, uh, 42% field goal percentage. Don't you want to see that higher? Yeah. At least if, if – if we're uh, looking at the optimal Joe Ingles performance, sure, that's fair.
1: And like I, you know, I think Joe Ingles has slumped recently along with the rest of the roster. Yeah. But uh, in terms of why he plays, look, I don't know that I ever watch Joe Ingles on the floor and think he should be out of the game for somebody else. I mean, I think yeah. sometimes he does. If he's not shooting the three point shot, like there are those stretches where he for some reason just refuses to take an open corner three-point shot, then yes, he should never be in the game because that's his number one skill. But if he is shooting that shot, then he creates space for everybody else to do their thing. Again, he's a good defender. He makes solid decisions. Uh, he's your best steal guy on the team. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Joe Ingles does some nice things. Um, I should say Joe Ingles, in terms of best steal guy on the team, I guess Ricky Rubio is now on the team. Tabo Saflosha is as well. He led the team in steals last year. Um, but they're, they're new players. Anyway, um, let me go back to my notifications. Oh, Corey Christensen, by the way, sir, it says, the only reason we would want Andrew Bogut is if the Jazz traded Derek Favors. Or, um, and still, I think that there would be better center options. Honestly, if you trade Derek Favors, then maybe that gives you an opportunity to play Tony Bradley, who, while he doesn't have any sort of semblance of how to play NBA basketball at this point, which is a mean thing to say, but it's true. Yeah. Um, You could develop him for the future by playing him some minutes. Yeah.
2: Bo-, Bo gets too much of a known commodity and an old commodity. Yes. That.
1: Uh, there's also some weird like political beliefs or anything uh, in, in there too. But anyway, Brandon White says, says he would take Tabo over Joe Ingles. That's fine. That's, you know, honestly, if that's, that's honestly an opinion to have that I, I, I can't really argue with because Tabo and Joe Ingles do different things. Joe Ingles is a great shooter. Tabo's a pretty iffy shooter. Tabo cuts to the rim a lot better than Joe Ingles does. Tabo's probably a better... Uh, def- they're pretty close I defensively. Joe, Joe Ingles, Ingles is probably better on ball. Yeah. Um, Tabo's probably better at generating steals off ball. You know, honestly, like I don't have any problem with it if you want Tabo over Joe Ingles. The good thing is Joe Ingles is three years younger.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, Joe Ingles' ability to... Uh, be a great on-ball defender. I think is gives him plus plus in my book in the edge over top. Ooh, here's a good one. Nathan Baxter asks,
1: "Why did Tony Jones say that Nikola Miritich couldn't guard a chair?" Then,
2: <laughs>
1: that's fair. <laughs> Earlier on in the show, if you if you missed any of the show, we're gonna download, we're gonna upload it as a podcast. You can hear it on the ESPN700Sports.com website. You can hear it on SaltCityHoops.com. You can hear it. On iTunes or on Stitcher, we talked about Nikola Mirotic, and I've been watching film of him. I think he's a average to above average defender. I think he moves his feet well. The Bulls have been a better team defensively when he's been on the floor for three of the last four seasons. He has a positive defensive real plus minus. Uh, the Bulls rebound pretty well when he's on the floor. He's not a shot blocker. He's not a steals guy, but he moves his feet well, doesn't commit fouls, is a good team defender, and is honestly, in my mind, a good defensive fit next to Rudy Gobert. Unlike Tony Jones, I think he moves better than his chair does. Maybe, maybe Tony Jones' chair is a really good rolling chair. Maybe it's one of those that you can move with a little joystick on the right armrest.
2: I've had some pretty good rolly chairs.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't know what chair Tony was sitting in I don't think he meant it as a compliment.
2: No, I don't think <laughs> in so fact,
1: either. Uh, texting Tony, I believe the quote was, Nicholas D is trash. Uh, so, you know, again, maybe one man's trash is another man's treasure. And that's what we've learned here. I think Miritich is absolutely acceptable and maybe better on the defensive end.
2: I'm just looking at the defensive rating per 100 possessions right now mm-hmm. 101 as a rookie 104 second year 105 third year and right now 109 uh compared to his offensive rating 117 this year.
1: Sure. And look, uh, you know, I I've, I think obviously the Bulls have gotten worse over the yeah. last 3 years. There's no question about exactly. it. Exactly. But when he's been on the floor this season, the Bulls have been 3.5 uh points per possession better when than when he's not. And last year even with, you know, Jimmy Butler and everything else, They were minus 4.2 points. They were 4.2 points better on the defensive end when he was on the floor. His rookie season, they were 1.9 points better when he was on the floor, even as a rookie new to the NBA. You know, I, I think there could be some other stuff going on there with lineups, and, you know, I don't know that he's that consistently big impact maker on the defensive end but he's not bad on that end of the floor. I don't want him guarding my best player, but I'm pretty comfortable putting him up next to Rudy Gobert and and seeing what happens.
2: I can see where uh, Tony uh decided to go with uh he couldn't he couldn't guard anybody because the last last game out against Indiana, a defensive rating of 137. That's one game. I agree. I'm I'm just I'm just trying to explain for Tony. Hey, don't get mad at me. Okay.
1: I mean, I, I appreciate you you backing up Tony Jones here.
2: I'm just trying to help him out here. I'm trying to provide an alternative perspective. Game before that, 115. Game before that against Toronto, 121.
1: I, I should point out here that I hate on Tony a lot, like publicly. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel kind of bad about it because, like, him and I are really good friends. Uh, you know, obviously going through a lot of road trip adventures together and and stuff like that, and we we always whenever we fight publicly, we always text each other privately worse things, believe it or not. And so then, but like it's it's in that kind of like mutual, uh, uh you know, in the way that you do with your very best friends, you aren't afraid of making them mad. Yes. And so, uh, Tony Jones is a good person.
2: So you're not saying you're beefing right now. No, we're not. We're not beefing. We're okay. we're good. Fine.
1: Um. Can we play the audio, the Cedric Maxwell audio?
2: Oh, I would love to play the Cedric Maxwell audio more than anything in the world. Uh, Just to set up for this, uh, this is play-by-play from uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub in in Boston as uh, the Celtics were taking on the Rockets late. You get to hear uh, how that game ended. Of course, the Celtics won. But Cedric Maxwell had a phenomenal call as well.
0: So now, no timeouts. Celtics down one, they have never led. Rozier, on the inbound, bounce pass. Horford catches, five seconds to go. Horford pulls his way in, forces it up and in. The Celtics have the lead. No timeouts for Houston, 3.7 to go. Man, give me some Cheetos, somebody. <laughs> I need something to eat. This place will go berserk. Harden knocks down Smart again, and turns the ball over. James Harden implodes in front of a national television audience. Ah! Take that with your beard.
2: Ah! Ah! That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> have you ever been that excited for anything? Yes. but Oh, okay. I will, uh,
1: you know, send you out of games. I might have sounded like that afterwards. Really? Uh, I don't know that I would have. I. It just... The screaming came at such weird times. Like he, he he started to scream, stopped, and then went again with like the almost Muppet sounding, with his tongue out, like whatever noise that was we heard at the end of that. But again, I want to go to the the play before that where he said after after the Al Horford layup, uh, something about Cheetos. He wanted yeah. he wanted anything to eat. That you know he would take some Cheetos right now. You you know the call better than I do.
2: Um, I think we know what we're referencing here with uh, <laughs> what he wants with Cheetos. I'm interested why Cedric Maxwell's go-to uh, food after that is Cheetos. George Costanza went with a sandwich. <laughs> Cedric Maxwell Maxwell apparently enjoys Cheetos.
1: Maybe, I, I mean, and then also point three, like I get people around the league dislike James Harden. Uh, he's sometimes difficult to watch, especially when he's drying fouls, and it can feel oh so sweet when that foul drying tendency goes against him. But that was that was vindictive
2: from from the former player <laughs> uh, on the call with him, Sean Grande, who's good. I, I, I want to like give Sean Grande. I want to give him you know his shine because he played the perfect straight man in this situation. <laughs> he didn't react to no, it. No, he did
1: his job. Yeah,
2: he just played it straight. Gave you the play-by-play. Told you what happened when Marcus Smart uh, was fouled by, by James Harden. And that the fact that the Celtics won before a national TV audience. Cornbread Maxwell on the other end. Going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely losing his mind. Going into another planet. The national
1: TV audience thing to me is interesting too. Because it's not like the Celtics are rarely on national TV. True, yeah. right. They've got like, what, 20 national TV games this yeah, year? That's That's true, yeah. Like, it's... You know, for I, I feel like that would be a big deal for a jazz fan, right? When the jazz are on national TV yeah. three to five times a year
2: against the Knicks coming up, sure.
1: For the Celtics, this is not a, a special thing whatsoever. I don't know; it's weird to me.
2: I suppose, but consider where the Rockets were at that point. Okay, they had won how many straight? Uh, this was after they lost their streak, but um, the Rockets were a top team in the West. You're you're at home is before, I mean, Cedric Maxwell feels even emboldened by the Boston crowd. Uh, and if you have watched any of the Boston uh, calls, at least on Comcast Sportsnet, uh, Tom Haberstrode describes them as uh, info wars for Celtics fans. Uh, they could go Homerific on these broadcast calls. That's fair enough.
1: Alright, we gotta take one more break, our last break of the show. Uh, we, we've got one more tweet to get to. We've got A JP hypothetical special coming up. We've got, uh, I want to wrap up the Nikola Mirotic talks, kind of just wrap up what we talked about earlier on in the show and talk about the schedule for the Jazz in the weeks ahead. That's coming up next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
0: Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Ah, yes, Iggy Azalea, affiliated with Golden State Warrior, Nick Young. So there's a basketball tie and a reason we're playing Fancy. Anyway. You don't like uh, Fancy? Fancy's fine.
2: You never got into it.
1: No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not so fancy. All right, that's okay. You already knew. (laughs) I'm sorry, we'll stop, we'll stop fancy punning right here, right now. Uh, (laughs) JP is-
2: (laughs) That was amazing, that was really good, I enjoyed that. I didn't expect it from you at that that moment, so congratulations, you really caught me on that one. Um, Yeah, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it up.
1: I can't keep it up for too much longer because we only have a few minutes left in the show, um, I, I want to read this Brandon Whiteside tweet really quick because it's something I hear from non basketball junkies a lot, uh, and I I think it's time to refute it. Basically, um, Brandon says, "Isn't this small ball three point jacking teams a fade? Copying them would not seem to be this wise unless you had better shooters than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson." I get that, you know, if you're going to try to be the Golden State Warriors, you have to have better players than the Warriors, and no one has Steph Curry. Uh, Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant. But what the Jazz are doing and what teams in the NBA are doing is not copying the Golden State Warriors. They're A, trying to keep up with the Golden State Warriors uh, in the simple reality that three is greater than two. And B, they're trying to take advantage of whatever advantages they can get over the Golden State Warriors. Um, And in the Jazz's case, that's basically Rudy Gobert, right? And having that level of rim protection so that you can play better perimeter defense uh, and kind of stop both twos, the the good twos anyway, the layups, the dunks, and stop the three-point shot at the perimeter by playing good defense there. And then there are some other things you can do on the edges, like you know, when, when the Cleveland Cavaliers won their championship in 2015, the big thing they did really well was offensive rebound and give themselves second chances. And then, of course, you've got LeBron James, who's one of the best players of all time. I don't think the Jazz are going to be competing on that level anytime soon. But what they're trying to do is put together some good pieces so that they can take advantage of when those teams do falter, when LeBron goes to another team, when Kevin Durant has some sort of injury that, you know, say a foot injury that keeps him out that really kind of hinders his career. Maybe Steph Curry gets an ankle injury. He had one this season, but maybe he gets a a bigger one and something that hurts longer term. Maybe the Warriors fall apart once Klay uh, Thompson or, or Draymond Green leaves in free agency. You know, Some of this stuff could happen, and while the Jazz will need to get lucky and the rest of the NBA will need to get lucky in order to make it happen, they quite frankly don't have a chance to do it in any other way.
2: Well, and additionally, on the simple math, three being greater than two, you also have to look at the players that being are being produced you're not going to have a bunch of back to the basket post players that are being produced by college basketball right it's just that's, not the that's reality a tr- right that's now. a good
1: point point. and even if you did have those players then what you've got let's say you've got al jefferson you know al jefferson doesn't scare the warriors whatsoever yeah. so uh, you know jaleel okafor isn't playing in the nba yeah. you know like okay he is in the nba that's harsh but you know what i mean like he's Worth nothing because he's, you know, that skill set
2: just doesn't really matter anymore. Look at just what you have with the Miami Heat, the team that the Jazz last played. Hassan's not playing in crunch time minutes as of late. Right. There's a reason for that because he can't shoot free throws. And, and when you, you hack a Hassan, it's not going to go well. And can't shoot the and deep And Kelly
1: ball. Olenek actually turns out to be a pretty good player.
2: Exactly. So th- that's how they make up for the... the inefficiencies in other areas when you're trying to catch up to the Warriors.
1: Uh, earlier on in the show, we talked about the Nikola Miritich trade. Obviously, that's been rumored since yesterday. Adrian Wojnarowski uh, had this report that Miritich, uh, the Bulls are still planning to trade him, and Miritich has been in with the Utah Jazz. Then other reporters later confirmed that the Jazz and the Chicago Bulls are talking about a deal for Miritich. We looked at all the different ways that could happen and broke down Nikola Mirotic's game. Again, you can listen to that as a podcast later on today on the ESPN 700 Sports website, on saltcityhoops.com. You can also subscribe to the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. But make sure you check that out if you missed it. But while we're answering the big questions of basketball, like why three is greater than two, I want to answer one of your questions, JP, a basketball hypothetical.
2: Oh, I've got a good one for you. Because you were intrigued by this one because... I think it's a good one for this time of year when people are turning to college basketball. Mm -hmm. Take the worst college basketball team right now. Any team. Let's go with Prairie View A&M. Just a a random team name because I don't know if if they're any good. Let's put LeBron James on Prairie View A&M. How far are they going in the tournament? Are they winning the entire thing?
1: It's so hard. I think they definitely make it to the tournament. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think that's without a I doubt. I don't think that's with exactly. You look at like Davidson with Steph Curry, right? Or I mean, you you have a great great player on that level, and I think you're making it to the
2: tournament. That being said, a lot of a lot of uh, bad coaches in college basketball have ruined. Uh, greater talents than uh, sure and I, <laughs> than Steph Curry.
1: Truth be told, I don't know how good the Prairie View A and M coaches, but I also suspect that he's not as for- forceful as a personality as LeBron James. And so, whereas True. you may be able to stifle a a Markel Fultz or a Ben Simmons and pre- prevent them from getting to the title game, LeBron James is just a lot better, and he's going to run that team. Okay, so given that. I think LeBron James makes some pretty good basketball decisions in terms of what uh, style of play should be run Mm -hmm. and how to win at the college level. And he has the tools in order to do so. What I don't know is if he can beat five guys committed to stop him and nobody else, if those five guys are also NBA players themselves. You know, if he runs into Arizona and and DeAndre Ayton and some good defenders and and Raleigh Alkins and, you know, guys like that. Does he still dominate the game in a way that, you know, you get to the Final Four and you win the Final Four?
2: He's clearly facing a triangle and two. Yes. (laughs) That is, without a doubt, a triangle two or a box and one, whatever you got. Uh, Probably a box and one when you get to elite eight on, because I would imagine uh, Calipari or somebody at that level. You might just go triangle and two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Who are you leaving open for Prairie
1: View and A and M?
2: Yeah, I'm not leaving Scooter open. Right. I got. I've got to lock it down. No, of course not. You're going to leave it open. leave Scooter open. Yeah, you leave Scooter open. Um, the thing is, do they go hack hack a LeBron and just say put him at the line? Let's let's try and drag this out. Let's make this a Big East game.
1: I mean, maybe that's the answer, but then, you know, then LeBron hits 70% of free throws and then you're just True. done anyway. Like, I, you know, I, I really think that that's at least a Final Four team, if not better. Anyway, that's our show for today. We answered a couple uh hardcore basketball hypotheticals for you. That one and the Golden State Warriors in socks. Uh, the Nikola Mirotic trade stuff and a whole lot more. We answered all of your Twitter questions as well. As you heard, check us out as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SaltCityHoops.com. But for now, it's Andy Larson and JP Chunga signing out of the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700.